You're listening to the Liverpool Comedy Quota, the only EU-ratified comedy podcast in the city. I'm your host, Jay Burnley, and this week we've been specially endorsed by FIFA, costing us only £36.72 and a packet of sherbet lemons. Additionally, the show will now be renamed the Nicholas Leos Comedy Quota. Staff have been asked to wear tight shorts and low-cut shirts, and next year's show will come from Antarctica. Liverpool Comedy Quota, realising that if you have no interest in football, that last bit made no sense whatsoever. Coming up in this edition of the Comedy Quota, we'll have 40% example and 60% Math Brown, meaning that we're 100% above board and democratic. And now it's time for shameless plug number one. If you don't count Cliff Richards' uh, Solicious Tour in October, uh, the biggest music event of this year is Radio City Live, and it happens to be on Friday the 10th of June at the Echo Arena. As well as the likes of Skate for Girls, Neo, Mike Posner and Nicole Roberts, the show also features Example, who you may not know also dabbled in comedy as part of BBC Two's culture show. A few years ago, when the comedy quota was just a twinkle in Liverpool's eye, uh, we caught up with uh, the Nando's aficionado backstage at Liverpool University after a gig, uh, and asked him about his kickstart into comedy. My first gig was to 80 people in the attic of a pub in Covent Garden, and it was probably a 3 out of 10 gig. The second uh, one. And the second gig was in front of 600 people at the Lyric Theatre Hammersmith, as uh, coached by Richard Herring, supporting the likes of um, Phil Jupiter, Phil Jupiter, Harry Hill, and, uh, and Richard Herring himself. And another dude, I forget his name, he was part of Pappy's... Oh, Pappy's Fun Club. Pappy's Fun Club. Sorry, I forgot his Indeed. name. Indeed. But yeah. he was part of that, and he was very good. So how good were you doing that? I, I think the f- if the first gig was like a 3 out of 10, being it, it was the first gig, the second gig was maybe a 8 out of 10, considering it was my second ever gig. Would, would you go back to it? Now? I was on for 12 minutes. You did, you did quite well. I've seen that. It's on YouTube. If you type in example stand-up, I think you can find that there. Well, I was recently on uh, Shooting Stars with Jack D. Oh, well, I was on Jack D's team. I filmed it the other week. It's going to be on air in a few in a few months. And, we, and, we, we, t- and Jack D had actually done his research and had seen me do stand up. <laughs> and he said, uh, "Mate, anyone who can do 12 minutes on stage in their second gig uh, without being booed or heckled is uh, very very impressive." Do you find that there's any parallels between stand up comedy and basically touring? You're, you're on the, the moment. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I found like. I've performed to like 20,000 people before and I've performed you know, to 500, 600 people doing stand-up and there was more of a buzz doing stand-up. Was it, was it fear? Or was it, was it just no, it's just like pure adrenaline rush because you haven't got that safety of a backing track or backing singers or DJ oh, to Here's that song that you remember... Well, people, li- there's no music. There's people are literally listening to every word you say so there's nothing to fall back on should you mess up, you know? Yeah. So, what did you make of Richard, Richard Herring mentoring you, then? Uh, yeah, he's a good guy, man, a really good guy. I mean, we, I think we had, like, two or three mentoring sessions, and he was, he was very helpful, actually. I also um, I spent some time with Richard Herring, and he was very good. Like, I'd already written some material, and then I spent some time with Jim Jeffries. Oh, I, met, yeah, I met Jim Jeffries, yeah, I met him by chance. Uh, we were playing football for Fulham. <laughs> uh, in some celebrity game, like celebrity Sky One game. Is he a Fulham fan? I no, I think he used to live in Fulham or something ridiculous ah. like that. They couldn't find any famous Fulham fans, so they <laughs> they were really, really like scraping the barrel. Uh, and yeah, he, I went down and I just went through some of my jokes, and he just sort of just adjusted them and made them extra controversial. Tweaked. Yeah, he tweaked them. Tweaked them. Uh, top, ten, top ten single? Top ten single, top twenty single. Um, I think 
Has it changed you in any way? Is it like no, a lot of it's like it's at all? I don't. I mean, I'm here talking shoes, so it can't change you that much. No, no, no. Seriously, I think uh, I've got a really good group of people around me. You know, management and my band and my friends and my family and. I'm pretty sure if I was going to change, they'd be the first to pick me up and <laughs> slap you in the face. Yeah, and they haven't, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Are you happy with the music as well? Because, you, you, like you say, I love you, you've, yeah. you've changed that you've changed. everybody always picks up on this stuff. Like, oh, it was, used to do hip hop and everything, sort of like. Uh, is it, I'd say electro, sort of like. Oh, it's electro pop, pop, but it's kind of ravey. But, but both of them were. But both, I think both albums were. Uh, the main albums were both poppy. In, yeah, in no, album. I mean, I, I think yeah. the first album was pop. I mean, yeah. the first album, I was trying to make a pop rap album. There's no way I was trying to be underground. I was mm. trying to get a top. Ten or top twenty here, you know, or you know, headline festivals. But I listened back to the album now and I realised it just wasn't good enough. The production wasn't good enough. The choruses weren't good enough. The concepts weren't good enough. We still got a fan base that actually likes the old stuff. Who I mean, yeah, I think there's definitely a fan base who don't like. There's certain people who don't like the new stuff and prefer the old stuff, and then there's other people who love the new stuff and love the old stuff. Mm. Um, I think really what it comes down to is, for me, it's about good music. And when I made my first album, I started making that when I was 23. I put it out when I was 25, and at that personal time in my life, that was my favourite. You know, I think from what I achieved, I should be really proud of what I achieved at that moment in time. I released an album on a record label, you know, and it got out in the shops, and I think that's an achievement. And... I'm proud of the songs, I'm proud of the work on there, but I listen back to it now, and I know that the music isn't as good as my new stuff. And I think that comes down to the fact that my songwriting's become better, because I've never really wanted to put all the focus on whether I'm good at rapping or not. I've always been about the songwriting aspect. It's not just about big singles now, it's about having a great album. Yeah. And it's about appealing, for me, it's about as appealing as to many people as possible without um, really watering down you know, the standard of your music, you know. Mm. And I like to keep a high standard of music. And I also never put anything out that I'm not personally proud of. I'd never put out a record just to gain fans. I put out the best record possible that I'm happy with. I'm all about getting a massive group of people together, singing it with their arms around each other. Mm. I'm not about, you know, it's not about commercialism. It's about as many people as possible singing that chorus. Same that. But the chorus, well, but saying that, the words have to mean something, you know? Any words from each and every before I go? Uh, trythisforexample.com And now it's time for shameless plug number two. Make sure you go to the iTunes store and download Example's latest single, Change the Way You Kiss Me. Most comedians haven't helped the Liverpool Football Club win several trophies. Maybe Tarby. But our main act has not only done this, but he's also one of the most respected warm-up acts in the business and an award winner to boot. He's also worked on Loose Women. People of the Quota, we bring you Math Brown. So joining me on the Comedy Quota is Math Brown. You first came to uh, university in Liverpool, didn't you, Math? Yeah, 98, I think it was. It might be 90. No, 98, yes. Yeah, France World Cup. You, you're, in, you're in comedy now. Did you did you start then, or was it after you'd left? No, I did, I did two gigs when I was at university, but I was uh, heavily involved in football, um, so it was really just sort of a hobby sort of thing then. Um, and then I didn't really get involved with it until uh, I was managing out in Singapore and then I got a sack and they paid me two years worth of money and then I just thought, well, I'm going to try and be a comedian with this money. Uh, just just for, just for people who, who don't know, you, you've actually worked for Liverpool Football Club I as well, haven't you? I've worked for Liverpool Football Club, yeah, as part of Gerald Hillier's backroom staff. Very minor role, but, you know, you, you sort of talk it up when you can. Well, you, you won trophies there as well, didn't you? <laughs> well, I was there when we won those trophies. I don't think I was particularly responsible for it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was all me. It was all my plans. <laughs> um, and uh, that's why I just got a sack from Aston Villa. That was me as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it was, uh, it, was, it was a good time. Yeah, 2001, 2003, I was there. I kind of, I kind of got 
um, released from my role, as they say, in Liverpool. And then uh, I went on holiday in Singapore and saw some football on their local TV channels and just got in touch. And then, you know, one thing led to another and it, I kind of networked my way into a job. Uh, and it was it was four games, four game management. It was like it's like being in management over here at the moment. Uh, yeah. uh, and uh, and then you were relieved again. I yeah. don't believe. Well, that was the second season, actually. Oh, uh, right. before you just try and make me look like an utter idiot, Jay. <laughs> yeah, it was the second season, yeah. And it was basically we we won the first two games convincingly, and then we lost the next two games. But the next two games we lost were on TV on their sort of their local TV, you know, their national channel. Um, and the chairman wanted me to apologise to the board in the post-match interview, and I refused. I just sort of said, it's, you know, it's part of, part of the football, it happens. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of cost me the job, really, yeah. Uh, so, so, so what happened after that? That was that was your sort of springboard into comedy? Or? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, it's always, I know it sounds strange, but it's always the passion, really. Football was always a bit of a job, I and mean, it's very passionate yeah. about it as well, but, but comedy was always something that I always enjoyed more. Uh, you know, I got more enjoyment of making someone laugh than I did of scoring a goal. And then I just decided that I'm going to have a go at it. It was something that I always wanted to do. I was going to say, how many goals did you score? <laughs> yeah, not many. <laughs> yeah, I just turned 30 and I thought, well, you know, let's have a go at it. And, uh, and then I started up my own gig, um, which is called Outside the Box. It's award winning. Yeah. I'm going to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just ran out there. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was just, it was, it just gave me so much pleasure to do. And then the club sort of got some. Like I say, I got a bit of a following, culty following, won an award, and then large, sort of big name acts were coming down to try stuff out, and it's still running now. You know, every every Monday in Kingsmith on Thames. So, so did you did you start uh, getting into following comedy while you were in Liverpool, or did you or you'd already yeah, what, no, already I watched? Used to go to uh, it was the, the club was called Rawhide. Oh yeah, it's still going in Liverpool, which is oh yeah, it's still going. Uh, it's moved venues quite a few times, but yeah. at the time it was I think it was Life Cafe at the bottom of Bold Street. Oh yeah, yeah. And then it moved to Baby Blue at the docks. And that is at the um, Contemporary Urban Centre and uh, Royal Court at the same time, I think. Oh, OK. Bouncing back and so, forth. Uh, yes, yeah, so I used to go there as often as possible, uh, which was great. You know, it was a good outlet because I came from London, uh, yeah. where I used to go to the comic stores as often as possible. And, um, you know, the nearest one was obviously Manchester, and it's a bit of a joint for a, for a student. Can't be asked to go all that way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it was, it was lovely. It was great to see, and, you know, I kind of... Sort of studied it a little bit, you know, there and then, and that's where I did my very first gig, yeah. yeah who, who sort of uh, took your eye back then? Who, who were you sort of... Uh, uh, I remember seeing Alan Cochran then. He was uh, he was comparing, and he was by far the best on the bill. But I, mean, I think that may have been because they used the same acts quite a lot. So yeah. I've seen a lot of them anyway. <laughs> uh, but Alan Cochran was superb. And Russell Howard was actually on my on the bill on my first gig there. All right. Uh, when he just started up, but you could see he was... Exactly Already good, yeah. Uh, so, so what was your first gig then? Where, where was your it first was gig? Baby Blue, yeah, uh, Raw uh, High, Baby Blue. It was the very, very first gig, and I was terrible. But you know, <laughs> everyone is when they first start. You know, nobody's good at it for the first two years, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it was just such. It was it was build up was just sickening. You know, it was like a real horrible anxiety dream in three days, basically. Can you remember any of the jokes from back then? Yeah, I had one joke which I thought was absolute belter, and it got nothing. <laughs> it, was, um, it was. I've changed it now, and it kind of works. And I've actually sold it to Mock the Week, and it worked. <laughs> when I did it, it didn't work. Initially, I it was. Uh, how did the people at Chicken tonight know I was going to have chicken that night? Uh, and it did. And due to your silence, that's exactly what I got on the night. So, um, <laughs> I just changed it around, and it, it eventually worked in another format. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well. Uh, so going back to 
outside the box and what you're talking about there about selling stuff to mock the week. You've got your own, you've got your own award-winning um, night that you've set up. It's your own venue, yep. uh, and you've got you've had um, massive names there. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of Frank Skinner was the first to come, and he t- he did about eight weeks in a row, and then that sort of just opened the floodgates really for everybody. And we we literally have had as many big names as you can muster. We've, on one night, in fact, we had uh, Shappy Corsandel opened, and this was only about eighteen months ago. This wasn't sort of you know when they were getting good at it. This is Shappy yeah. Corsandel opened. Then in the middle was Omar Jalili. Uh, then it was Al Murray, and then, then it was Robin Williams. The Robin Williams. Uh, the Hollywood Robin Williams. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, we had a break after that, and then uh, another guy called Jeff Norcott had to close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, Jeff. Um... Yeah, Jeff Norcott. <laughs> hey, Jeff is brilliant. I, I'm not taking anything away from him. He had a great time, but it was just it was just bizarre to, to follow. As you've been saying, you've sold stuff to Mock the Week. You actually, you, you do actually do some writing for Mock the Week, do you? Yeah, or? Mock the Week and uh, Shooting Stars, yeah. And um, um, you, you're actually, you're, I, I know you as a warm-up man as well um, for, for various things. Um, you've been doing Shooting Stars itself, have you? Yeah, we're, we're actually in the middle of another series of that. We're doing, yeah, we had one last night, recorded last night, we got another one on Friday, then we got one, I think, the week after. Um, so, yeah, it's a great series, this one. It really is a good series. last series was superb, and I think it's what matches it. Um mm. But I think it may be the last one. I think they want to go and try and do something else. How do you, how do you prepare for, for being warm up and, and doing you, doing stuff like that? You kind of have to you have to think about the people that would come to see a shooting stars record. You know, you have to you realise that these are massive Vic and Bob fans and shooting stars fans. So you can't make it all about you. You have to yeah. sort of tailor it towards the show. Um, so because I do write for them, I do write the true or false rounds. Right. So basically, I do I kind of try a lot of those out on the audience. Yeah. So I make sure I've got about 100 of them a show just to try out. And they're basically just one-liners, that's what they are. Yeah. Um, just disguised as a, as a different uh, format, really. Is it, is it like doing, um, obviously, doing proper gigs? I mean, you do, uh, I know you're doing uh, shooting stars, but you also do, you've done the warm-up for Loose Women as well. Yeah. Is it a different crowd, I would say? Uh, slightly, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, yeah, and it, I, I do get a lot of stick for doing the Loose Women warm but I'm, I'm kind of proud of it. No, well, but, you know, it uh, all it, pays it, the bills. It's good, again, it does. It, it, from from uh, my point of view, as a comedian, it really forces you into another direction. Yeah. So you've got to be prepared to talk to 255-year-old uh, women from Hereford um, and, and one bloke who drove the coach. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've got to talk to them on the same level as you would, you know, the next day it could be 200 students who are you're sort of 17 years old from, from Guildford. So it's good. It really does... You know, push you into a different way, and it's more mainstream, and it's more sort of, you know, early Saturday night tea time TV. You know, so yeah. I know it's not, I know it's a daytime program, but the audience you have to have the same mentality as yeah. as what you would as a five o'clock Saturday night show. You know, mainstream. I've I've always thought that the comedians who do that are always sort of like unsung heroes because it's sort of like without you, the, you know, the crowd aren't ready for it. And there's uh, bizarrely, there's I think there's three people who've got connections with Liverpool that I know of. There's yourself. There's Patrick Monaghan who's on the circuit, who's who's do, who did warm up for. Uh, Paul O'Grady show yeah, and yeah. Ted Robbins who I see as the king of warm-up uh, he, is, he is the king of warm-up well Pat's <laughs> quite close to that as well now um, but yeah no you're right and it's, it's you can definitely tell if the show hasn't had a warm-up on it uh, particularly particularly loose women you can really tell I mean I'm, I'm sure you're not really a massive fan and you don't really watch it but <laughs> I do I actually I'm, got, I'm not there just to see what's happened you know and it's yeah. uh, it can make a massive, massive difference to, to the show, yeah. Have you ever been, done warm-ups for any kind of comedy shows where, you know, you've either thought this isn't going to work or it is going to work when you're watching the show? I did a warm-up for Genius, uh, oh, yeah. which was a brilliant show by Dave Gorman. Yeah. Uh, second series, and it's basically the audience, a, a 
lovely, lovely people, and I'm certainly not slagging them off in any way, shape, or form. But it was 300 nerds, basically. <laughs> oh, with their ideas of how they're going to become geniuses. And... Yeah, exactly what it was. <laughs> you know, these people have been rejected from, I was going to say, from genius, but I would say society as well. <laughs> um, and they, I mean, they were lovely people, but it was hard work. It was it was hard work because they just they weren't really interested in the comedy. They wanted to talk about their little projects um, you know, what they've designed so again i went there sort of armed and had sort of 15 to 20 geniuses of genii of my own um, <laughs> so i had something in common with them <laughs> well you've you've had your genius moment with outside the box award-winning uh, well, venue yeah, yeah it's an award-winning club yeah <laughs> are you looking to you've, you're that's already branched out into doing um quite a few it's not just in what what, what uh, venues have you got maybe it's like six yeah well what was it was becoming too busy for me to do because obviously my career as a comedian was taking off yeah uh, so i had a, a fantastic idea my girlfriend actually met at the club uh, mm-hmm. and she was very passionate about comedy and it just seemed a natural step for her to sort of take over the clubs really so yeah. she did so since she came over it grew and i think we're up to about five or six venues now mm. um hampton windsor surbiton seven oaks and I think there's one other I can't remember at the moment. I think I've heard of some of those places. Yeah, down south yeah, somewhere, I'm guessing. Two or three of them are big, big theatres. Windsor's like a 600 seater. Uh, Seven Oaks is a 450 seater. So they, you know, it's just so much fun to play. That's what that's the kind of ethos we have. Is you know, if I don't want to play them, then let's not put them on. Yeah. Then I think that attracts other comedians in the same light because there are people just scrupulously just make trying to make money out of it and it's, it's never really been about that it's you know, yeah. always been a passion and i think i do strongly believe that if, if you work hard the money will chase you yeah i think so i think this um there's been a spate recently with um not not, not criticizing like what michael mcintyre's brought with his comedy vehicle vehicles also um is that there's loads of people setting up uh comedy venues who don't know how to run comedy and don't know how to sell it to Punters, so you end up with you know above a pub somewhere with no sound and no lighting and yeah, just awful noise. Yeah, damage it because then people go to these venues and say, "Well, I went to live comedy and it was rubbish." Yeah, you know, and they're paying they're paying like twelve quid to see seven open spots who really have only just started. And again, I mean, you've got to learn your craft. Of course, you have, but yeah. don't charge people twelve quid to go and see it. <laughs> so you uh, talking about your uh, your career uh, path. Uh, you're writing for others now. Is that are you looking to move from that and write more for yourself? Or is it comedy is a bit of a, a feast and famine industry really you kind of it's very difficult to say no to stuff <laughs> until you get you know further down the line and more recognized for yourself and your own skills mm. you kind of say yes to whatever comes in because it does it, you do learn from each one really mm. um but uh, no it, it's something i do enjoy because sometimes when you're writing in your own voice you'll write a joke that you know is a belter but you you can get away saying it because yeah. the audience knows it's not in your style yeah so particularly with Vic and Bob, for example. Yeah. So I write something that's a brilliant one-liner, but it just wouldn't fit in with anything I say. So you pass it on to people who you know. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So talking about your own voice, um, moving on a little bit to um, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, which is coming up in August, um, yeah. where you did your first one-man show, proper one-man show, um, last year, Looking After Lisa, which is a very, very personal um, uh, show. Do you want to tell us a bit about that last yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, his name's Lesel, not Lesel. Lesel, but that's okay. <laughs> we can get over that, because obviously he enjoyed the show that much. He remember his name. It was, yeah. it was a year ago almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a very personal show. And it's, it's something I, I kind of I looked at Edinburgh, maybe, maybe a bit too much of a business sense and kind of thought, what, 
what people are looking for as opposed to what I want to do. Mm. But it's also a show that was very personal to me, and I did want to do it, but perhaps in hindsight I'd have done it two or three years down the line. All right. Uh, but it was. It was a story about my dad, basically, and well, <laughs> it sounds so depressing when I say it like this. It really does, but uh, trust me, it was funny. I, I will vote you. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good show. Um, yeah. And, and it, despite you downplaying it, I thought there was some great, um, really funny moments about it all, and it's, it, it was a nice, feel-good kind of... I sort of understand how you mean, I mean about doing it a couple of years down the road, and it was quite quite personal and quite um, dark. Not, would you say dark at times? Or? I, would, I would say dark at times, yeah. Yes. It, you got about half an hour in, and it was all light and fluffy and, and yeah. lots and lots of jokes and stand-up, and then I hit them with the fact that my mum died. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, and then my dad had nearly had a nervous breakdown. So they're not the best topics for comedy, if I'm being honest. Well, but your, your mum did, did, did her own lovely eulogy, though, did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah, and it was quite delightful and I got Denise Welsh to sort of do the voiceover of it so it took some, some fun into it. Yeah and, you, and your dad is now happy happy and with... He, he is yeah, he's moved, to, uh, he's moved to Perth, Australia and he's got himself a lovely apartment on the harbour there and plays golf every day and uh, is he know, still I with don't the... think he spends as much money on prostitutes as he used to. <laughs> uh, I think he that, that was going to be the other question but uh, you know you never like to ask a friend. Um, <laughs> So you also in Edinburgh, you did uh, the year before you did the AAA show, which is like a showcase for the, some of the good up and coming uh, comedians, and that sold. It's the first time it's ever sold out. That one. Um, yeah, that was a, that was great fun and real hard work, but a real good apprenticeship of, of what the festival is because um, that was at the Pleasance, and the Pleasance audiences are you know that they laugh, but mm. internally a lot, <laughs> uh, which isn't really very helpful as a comedian. But it really made me work hard because I was closing that as well. It was the first time I'd ever closed a show, uh, or to that level, rather. Yeah. And, you know, so I was going on at the 40-minute mark where everyone's normally bored and tired and, and need a wee. So you have to really work hard to get that. And it really kicked my ass, Chase, to be honest. It really yeah. kicked my ass in terms of my 20-minute set, what I thought was acceptable at the time, clearly wasn't. So the first week, I'd never worked so hard. But it, I came out on top, which was lovely. So, so for, for those people who there, there who think that comedy is dead easy, it is quite a bit of a job sometimes, and you have to really put the effort in. <laughs> I would say it's a bit more than just a bit of a job, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, there's benefits, you know, there are benefits. You know, if you, if you want to, uh, you know, sort of sit in your pants and watch 24 for 24 hours in a row, you can do, and no one's going to stop you from doing that. Have you been um, round my house recently? Yes, I have, yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, I say round it. I mean, binoculars are wonderful things, aren't they? <laughs> um, but, you yeah, know, it was good fun. It was, it, that's, that's what I enjoy about the job. You're, you're kind of your own master, your own, your yeah. own boss. And, you know, you'll only be as good as how much work you put in. It's the same as anything, really. If you're prepared to just put the hours in and sitting there crafting in front of a computer and, and banging your head against it, hmm. um, you know, you'll come out with something funny eventually. So talking talk about hard work, uh, are, you, are, you, are you in the process of finishing off your Edinburgh show for this year? What is it called? And... Uh, kind of. Uh, <laughs> kind of, as <laughs> in no. Um, <laughs> This year, what I'm doing is just something for me. Uh, and yeah. I say that in a sort of an arrogant way. What I mean is, uh, I wanted to just do stand-up last year. I didn't really want to do a theme show, but I was kind of advised to do that. And yeah. I still think it wasn't, wasn't such a massive bad thing to do. But this year, it's purely stand-up, yeah. um, with a few bits of added in uh, nonsenseness. Uh, kind of all the true or falses that didn't go into the show that we couldn't use or... Too uh, rude for know, TV. Well, BBC friendly, I'm doing those. <laughs> uh, the dirty ones. It's... to a song, which is great fun. And I'm also doing <laughs> things. I don't know, can I swear? Can I, uh, well, yeah, I, I can I bleep out if need be. I'll self-beep it. Go on. Um, I'm doing something called Bull Beep Stories, um, which is basically, uh, they're by Arthur C. Ball Beep, and he just it talks nonsense. So it's just a character, and it's, just, <laughs> it's basically what he talks 
Uh, he just makes up stories, basically, uh, pretends they're facts. And that, that's you in character, then, is it's it? It's not really, but the oh. character is me putting on a smoking jacket. <laughs> so Creating the illusion. Ah, fantastic. Uh, so, uh, where, where is it? Where is your show, and what, what time is it on at? I'm on at the Gilded Balloon this year, at 5.15 in the turret, uh, which I'm really pleased with, to be honest with you, because it was too late last year. I don't like working late. It was past nine last year, but this year it's 5.15 in the afternoon. Um, so I'm done by 6.15, and then... You've got to watch some shows. Fantastic. Math, thanks for coming on to the show. Absolute pleasure, Che, and I hope to see you out there. Cool, will do. Cheers. Good on you. Cheers. Bye. So thanks for joining us this week on the Comedy Quota. We'll be back in around about a fortnight's time. Uh, we'll see you then.